0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, and coming up on this week's show, a conversation with the great Mike Lepresti. Long-time USA Today national columnist still writing for NCA.com. a treasure trove of stories and history, a great conversation with Mike coming up in just a moment. We begin with our Jersey Mike's news and notes, as always, and a sad note to start our podcast this week, the passing of Billy Packer. It happened on Thursday night. As influential a broadcaster as there has ever been in the college game, keep in mind, he was the color analyst, on 34 consecutive Final Fours from 1975, starting with NBC, and then later switching over with the rights to CBS through 2008. And Billy was a -a one-of-a-kind character, no doubt about that. And for me personally, Billy and I were teammates for Raycom, and prior to that, Jefferson Pilot Sports calling ACC games for nearly three decades. And I would have never had the chance to call games for CBS, both regular season and the NCAA tournament, had it not been for the assistance of Billy Packer. He's a longtime friend and confidant. I've known Billy forever. And I know he'll be happy to be reunited in heaven with Barb. Just a great guy to me and a great guy to college basketball. And we mourn his passing. On the notes this week, did you see the women's basketball top 25? For the first time in the 47-year history of that poll, There is not one team from Texas in the top 25. Hard to believe. Jalen Brunson, who was our Jersey Mike's Naismith Player of the Year back in 2018, he's going to have his jersey retired at Villanova. The two-time champ, one of the greatest players in Villanova history, and a long line of great players will have that jersey honored in early February. Also want to make note, that you can go online to NaismithTrophy.com and check our social media channels as well. We have announced our Defensive Player of the Year watch list for the men and the women. 17 players on each list. Check that out and see who is going to be one of these 17 will be named Men's and Women's Defensive Player of the Year, respectively. That coming up, of course, later in the season. But the watch list is up, so make sure you check it out. Congratulations to Aaliyah Boston of South Carolina, who was last year's Jersey Mike's Women's Naismith Player of the Year, set the double-double record for South Carolina with 73, and her next mark will be the... SEC record that belongs to LSU's Sylvia Fowles of 86, that will fall later this season. And one of the games, did you notice South Carolina-Arkansas, the rebounding in that game? South Carolina out-rebounded Arkansas 74-17. to When we come back, my conversation with Mike Lepresti, but first this from Jersey Mike's. Did you know Jersey Mike's subs freshly slices the meat right in front of you? It's a Jersey Mike's thing. And did you know I, Danny DeVito, invented the unicycle? The first statement about fresh slicing at Jersey Mike's is true, while the second statement about the unicycle cannot be accurate because Mr. DeVito wasn't alive in 1870. I also invented the time machine. I don't have the energy necessary, therefore, I make no further comment. Uh, checkmate. <sighs> Why did I become a fast talking legal voice? Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. It's a real privilege and an honor this week to have with us the great Mike Lopresti to talk about college basketball, and nobody better to put it in a historical perspective than this great writer who is still at it at nca.com, and we're thankful about that. Mike, how are you?
1: I'm doing well. It's uh, late January, so we're almost in February, and the thing about February, it's next door to March. So uh, we're moving moving right along in this uh, season here.
0: What is your overall take on what you've seen so far? We've, we've had such an interesting season to date.
1: You know, it's, it's, uh, you, first you start, you look at like this week's top 25. And you look at the top teams. And it's Purdue. And it's Alabama. And it's Houston. And it's Tennessee. And it's Kansas State. Now, there's your top five. Notice something unusual about them. None of them have ever won the national championship. Only one of them has been in the final four in the last four decades. And that's your top five teams. So, you know, there, there, there's some unusual currents going along. You have them in the top 25. You don't have Kentucky. You don't have Duke. You don't have North Carolina. You don't have Indiana. Uh, you've got Clemson leading the ACC. And I believe they were picked to finish 11th. you got Kansas State in a tie for the lead in the Big 12. They were picked to finish last. Um so there are a lot of unusual things going out there. You know, Gonzaga loses at home. Uh, maybe we should have suspected what was coming when when Iowa lost to Eastern Illinois, who was a 31-and-a-half-point underdog. So this season has had a lot of lot of twists and turns here, and um, I'm sure there are more to come.
0: You wrote for the NCAA.com this week about some of those blue bloods that you mentioned. Uh, North Carolina, Kentucky, Indiana, et cetera, that you think might be kind of getting their act together?
1: Yeah, you know, the, 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 it's a long season, and, and, and when they're, none of those teams what I would call dominant. And I don't know if there is one out there this year. So in today's college basketball, there are so many good teams. If you are not dominant, you are going to have good times and you're going to have bad times. And they had some bad ones. You know, you look at Creighton. Creighton was the favorite to win the Big East. They start off 6-0, and and they look every bit of that, and then they lose six in a row. Uh, they had a couple of injuries, and uh, but but they're back to playing better. Indiana uh, has, has some injuries, but they are back to playing better. Um, you know, Kentucky, I think, has won four in a row. It's interesting you have Kansas-Kentucky this weekend, and, uh, you know, you go back two weeks, Kansas was rolling, and Kentucky was in crisis mode. Well, Kansas has now lost three in a row, and I think Kentucky's won four in a row. So this season is going to have a lot of twists and turns, and and those teams you mentioned are, are all part of it. You know, North Carolina just could not could not find a win there for a while in December, but they you know they're showing signs. So you know, it, it is it's funny to say this too early when you're in late January, but it's still a little too early to write teams off because there's still time to. Uh, on, the, on the roller coaster the college basketball is to, to to get on the down car and go back on the up car it's just things are going to happen.
0: Mike I was watching Kentucky you mentioned the Wildcats halftime of the Georgia game that's when Oscar Shibway it seemed to me decided okay enough of this nonsense and I'm taking over again much like he was the dominant player in winning our Naismith award last season they've been a different ball club since halftime of the Georgia game. And I think we've all been sort of waiting for that. And this is one of those teams that you talked about. It's just hard to believe that a Kentucky is going to struggle for very long in a season. It looks like they are one of those teams to keep your eye on again.
1: Well, they are. And, and you mentioned Shiway and he is, you know, he is the reigning national player of the year. And, and you expect a whole bunch of production and leadership from a guy coming back with that award. So uh, you know, they certainly need him. I don't think they are quite as talented as some Kentucky teams we've seen in the past, but that doesn't mean they're not talented. They're just not quite the same. I think he's had to tinker. Jack Calipari has had to tinker with the rotation and and who fits where. Uh, and it is a process. I mean, you hear that word a lot, a lot of places. It is a process to to piece it all together. And and uh, you know, you get into the conference. Um, if, if you're not playing well, you're going to you're gonna have some tough nights, and they certainly did. But but I think there is too much talent there by a coach who has been down that road often with a great player in the middle. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why anyone should write off Kentucky. You know, a, a good example, a, a lesson to all this, you know, we talk about North Carolina struggling. Well, if you go back to last season, North Carolina had some horrific beatings during the season. I mean, they lost – Four or five games by twenty plus points. Uh, next thing we knew, in April they're in the championship game with a <laughs> with a big lead and a chance to win it. So, a lot of funny things can happen during the regular season, and uh, and teams have a t- have a chance to put it together at the end, and that's the only time people remember anyway.
0: Mike, speaking of talented big men, I wanted to get your take on Zach Eady. We watched him again on Thursday as Purdue went to Michigan and won another big night for Eady. Uh, your thoughts, because he seems to be one of the leading contenders for National Player of the Year this year.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably his to lose. You know, it, what you hear from every coach I've ever talked to who played him, they, they all say basically the same thing. He's different. He's different than anyone else. He's different because he is 7 Uh he might be tired. He might have an off-night shooting. He might be, you know, just not playing well. He's still seven four no matter what. Uh, you know, they get the ball deep to him. He is very hard to stop. He's become a pretty good passer as far as finding the open guys to make teams play for double teams. He doesn't get into foul trouble. You know, Purdue is in real, real perilous straights if they lose him the foul trouble and he just hasn't. I haven't checked lately, but as of a week or two ago, he had more block shots this year than he's had fouls. I mean that's hard to believe. But he you know, he is he is just somebody that is so very hard to to deal with as a defense. You know, if you if, if you just try to play him straight up, he's gonna score a whole bunch of points. And if you double them down on him or something like that, he's gonna find the open people. And then Purdue uh, their fate rests on how well those other guys shoot the ball. But, uh, yeah, he is – I think he is a strong leading contender uh, for the player of the year, particularly with a team that's ranked number one, and something's going to cha- have to change in the next month, I think, for him not to win it.
0: Mike, there are other great players, of course, and you're one of our esteemed national voters. What, uh, what else is on your horizon in terms of players to watch down the stretch?
1: Well, I, I really like the um, – Freshman at Alabama, Brandon Miller, he's, 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 done, he's done a lot. I and, mean, again, a team you didn't expect to see quite that high. Um, I think the best in, individual story in college basketball, not that he would be necessarily a player of the year, but uh, Kansas Johnson at Kansas State. I mean, you're talking about a guy who barely over two years ago collapsed on the court. And that day there were people fearing for his life. And let alone his career, and he he was out a long time, and he's back. He was at Florida then. He's at Kansas State now. He's part of the Great Kansas State story. I think to see what to see what he has done. Uh, you know, I think Jalen Wilson at Kansas. He's sort of the, the proverbial straw that stirs the drink out there. And though they've lost three in a row, they've shown signs of being a uh, you know every sign of a of the chance of making a deep run. And lest we forget, it's been what. 16 years since anyone repeated as national champion, so I think he's the guy to keep track of. Uh, we mentioned Oscar Sheboy, the fact that he is, you know, the, the, the national player of the year. I think it'll be interesting to keep track of Antoine Davis at Detroit Mercy as he uh, last week moved into the number two all-time spot in career scoring and is in, now in the, the approaching to try to reach Pete Maravich. Uh, he, it's going to be hard for him to get there, Uh, Detroit would would probably need some tournament games at the end and they're just not playing that well right now but that's not to say they can't but he he's got a lot of points and and it's an interesting uh, contrast obviously you know Pete Maravich played before the three-pointer and only played three years Um, but Davis is a great offensive player and and they've lost like 15 or 16 games to, to to COVID through the year. So he's had his own tough break on that. So, you know, there's some interesting stories like that out there. But uh, I think it all begins and ends when you talk about the player of the year with Jack Eby.
0: Mike, can you imagine how many points Pistol Pete would have scored had there been that three-point line that you just mentioned? I, I can't – It. I would think he would have averaged over 50 points a game easily, don't you?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, not only that, but the shot clock. I mean, you know, he had to to shoot quicker. And also, uh, freshman eligibility. I mean, go on and on. Another interesting thing, obviously, he didn't have a lot of extra games in the end because as great as he was, he never played one second in the NCAA tournament. So, um, yeah, I mean, his numbers are just incredible. I mean, you you think – You know, Davis is number two on the all-time list, and I think he scored 40, something like six, seven, eight times in his career. You know, average average 44 points a game for his career. I think he scored over 55, something like 11, 12, 13 times. I don't remember the exact number, but he was there a lot. So, um, of course, he also shot a lot. I mean, he shot, there was a game when he shot, took 57 shots. So uh, he put it up there. But, uh, yeah, you put the three-pointer with him. Uh the two guys that always come to mind with me, if you want to go back far enough people remember from Purdue, Rick Mount, who was who was as pure a shooter as you could get and and he never met a twenty five footer he didn't like and he scored a whole lot of points for Purdue with no three-pointer. And I've I've heard it said people who look back at the films and tried to figure it out, he would have an enormous point total if there was a three-pointer there.
0: Well, there was a story, Mike, that I read one time about Dale Brown taking the old shot charts that were done manually on the bench. And he went back and superimposed what would have been the college three-point line And he swears that Maravich would have averaged 57 points a game for his career had there been a three-point line.
1: That's very possible. I mean, I I wouldn't doubt that for a minute. I don't know if it's exactly correct, but it would be up in that neighborhood. Let's put it this way. We would not be having a conversation. They wouldn't be having a conversation at Detroit Detroit Mercy right now or anywhere else of anyone catching him uh, if if they had the three-pointer back then. But, uh, uh, you know, I... There's a you can go back to the different rules. There's a lot of things. You know what? What would UCLA have done if you could play freshman, You know when when uh, Abdul Jabbar and, and Walton were there. You know what, what would those teams have been like? Uh, you know there are a lot of different things that, that would have been different with uh, those rules back then.
0: Mike, you've you've done it all. I mean, you've covered everything: Olympics and World Series and the NBA and Super Bowls, Masters golf tournaments. But for an Indiana lad, I would think that the NCAA. Final Four and the NCAA tournament in, in in total, still holds a very special place in your heart.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Because the uncertainty of it all—I mean it is and 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 as as great an event as a Final Four is, and it is a great event. I have always enjoyed the first weeks even more because those are when the inexplicable things happen. By the time you get to the Final Four, more times than not, we're kind of looking at at what you know what we expected you know more more times than not the teams that are there we're not shocked by we get surprises but it's the first week you know when you see uh a virginia number one seed lose by what they lost by 20 points you know i i was there when george mason was doubted by everyone um whether they should be in the tournament and the next thing to they do their march into the final four when you see moments like that uh those are the things i love you know The NCAA tournament has been around for a long time, and you can go back to the 60s and 70s and have great moments in it, but it became the NCAA tournament when they expanded to 64 teams. Uh, And you could allow in all those Cinderella's into the door and, and, and wait for them to make trouble, and a lot of them made a lot of trouble for some big names. And I think that, to me, has always been the best beauty there, that you have no idea when that tournament starts. You just know there's going to be something shocking happening Happen somewhere. You just don't know where. And uh, uh, all I can say for that, two words last year, uh, St. Peter's.
0: <laughs> there you go. And, and who will write this year's story? We'll, we wait to see. Mike, this has been delightful. Thank you so much. And thank you for all you do for us at the Naismith Awards. And God bless you. Keep writing, man.
1: Thanks, sir. Appreciate it.
0: Mike, thank you so much. We appreciate all you do for us and uh, great information as always. Looking ahead to the weekend for the men, the Big 12 SEC Challenge is upon us, and the two headliners will be back-to-back on ESPN Saturday night at 6, Texas at Tennessee, and at 8 Eastern time, Kansas goes to Kentucky. Big women's games this weekend, and there are a slew of them. UCLA makes the trip to the mountains. They go to Colorado Friday and Utah Sunday. Saturday in the Big 12, A top 25 affair between Oklahoma and Iowa State in Ames. And Sunday, Reynolds Coliseum will be rocking at 3 Eastern on ESPN as Notre Dame takes on the Wolfpack of NC State. That will do it for this week. Until next week, for all of us here in Atlanta at the Naismith Awards, Bob Rathman saying so long.